welcome. My name is Taylor DeSormo, here with Andrew Serma on Headline Central. How's it going, Andrew? Good. How are you doing today, Taylor? Doing pretty good. So today we have a special edition of Headline Central. We actually talked to head coach of the football team, John Bonamigo, a few weeks ago. and We actually have some of the audio recordings. So we're going to kind of give you some of what he said and respond to some of Bonamigo's comments. All right, Serma. So we got a wide range of topics here today. Everything from Cooper Rush to John Bonamigo bringing people pizzas in the dorms. So that's actually where I want to start today. Um, I think something he was really well known for the first couple weeks here on campus even was that he would go to Thorpe Hall or Beto Hall or whatever it was. He would bring some hot and ready's or whatever type of pizza he had and eat pizza with these students and connect with them and really mingle. And I I think that's pretty unique. Don't doubt. Um, I think you have a story about that. Yeah, so I mean... Basically, it was my sophomore year of high school, and we're down in Merrill Hall. Uh, we were just eating, me and my buddy. And my buddy's dad lived with across the hall from Bonamago in Thorpe Hall. Back think, in the day. Back in the day. And so my buddy says, you know, yells out to, to Bonamago, who's being literally driven around on a CMU football golf cart um, <laughs> with, you know, a couple PR people with him. And he just yells out at our car window and says, hey, Bono, do you remember Buzz Famulero? And Bono didn't remember Buzz, but he kind of remembered some of the other guys from the – the room and on Thorpe, Florida, back in the, when he was living there. And he was like, you know what, guys? What are you guys doing for the rest of the day? And we, nothing. I know we're not doing anything. So he pulls out an envelope with Uh-oh. two Waka Flocka Flame tickets <laughs> and for the concert that night at Wayside. So did you go? Yeah, we, we went, and I, I we tweeted it out. We did all, we took a photo <laughs> with them. Um, things like that. That builds program. That builds character. That builds small little uh, relationships like that go a long way on a campus like this, I think. You got a pair of Bono fans for life, and he didn't have to go see Waka Flock. That's two right. For two. two for two. <laughs> got to go see Waka. And, you know, that was one of the funner nights of my college uh, t- career, and it's all thanks to the John Bonamago. There you go. But back to the point is uh, having a coach that goes out into the community, does kind of – I don't want to use the word PR stunts, but – goes out and puts shows face shows that hey i'm the coach i'm engaged i want to be here for a long time i'm invested mm-hmm. that's it, it goes a long way yeah love that story i feel like i'm podcasting with vin scully here <laughs> so <laughs> let's take it to the audio here and see what bonamigo has to say we talk a lot about students and connecting with them and it seems to be one of your higher priorities going and eating pizza with students um, just doing kind of things on campus why is that so important to you and, and what does that really do to the program well um First of all, it's, uh, it's important to me because for Paulette and I, we, we genuinely enjoy it. I, one of the great things about being back here is having the opportunity to interact with the students and being in a college environment. And, you know, I expect our students, or we expect our students to support us. So I want to give, it, give ourselves a chance to be accessible to them to let them kind of know me and really get to know them a little bit. So I feel that uh, it's easier for someone to support you if they really feel like they have a connection with you, and that's our whole goal is to be able to connect with the students here. We have great students, and uh, like I said, Paulette and I, we genuinely enjoy getting out and meeting our kids. All right, Serma, so you've actually had a look at the budget recently. I know a lot of people, when they look at $20 million or so that's going to the athletic department every year, there's kind of some red flags that go up in people's minds and whatnot. So I actually wanted to talk to Bonamigo about this, but you actually have done some research yourself, correct? Yeah, yeah. And I, funny story about that, I was actually talking on last Thursday, I was with Dave, uh, President Ross after the Board of Trustees meeting, and I, this is one of the questions I brought up to him was, mm-hmm. when does that allocation, which is $19.4 million of direct institutional support, mm-hmm. um, 
when does that allocation to the athletics department become too excessive? And that word, it's you know, excessive. What is that? What do you mean by that? Yeah. But another point that he also brought up about the allocation was sports as a department, as you know, a certain segment of your university is important because it, it, it creates a pre- the profile for your university. Do you want to be considered up there with the Michigan States, you know, the Northwestern, you know, those kind of schools, or do you want to be an, an Adrian, an Alma, um, an Albion-type college? Yeah. You know, how do you want your school to be viewed nationally? And unfortunately, I'm sorry to say this to the intellectuals and the academics out there, athletics is what puts schools on the radar for a lot of young kids. Yeah, I definitely even think that for myself. As I mean, maybe it's just because I was a football fan right. growing up, but I remember seeing Central Michigan in a bowl game like in right. 2006 or whatever it was, and we're like, okay, we, we now were, they're in Mount Pleasant. I learned their colors are maroon and gold, right? things like that. We were kind of coming up through like in the Lefevre days a little bit. We, yeah. were, we were younger kids for the most part, um, not too young, but we were, we were younger, and those were things. So it was like, Kelly Shorts, I want to go play football. My college career of Kelly Shorts. That was cool to me. Yeah, it CMU fun. was really cool. It's just kind of this school up in the middle yeah. of nowhere in Michigan, and it looked like a fun thing. And I think it, even if for people who don't watch football, they hear, oh, Central Michigan is in this bowl game or whatever, it mm-hmm. still gets around. And I feel like the, just the name Central Michigan is around more, Definitely. whether it's on ESPN or whether it's on CBS or Fox or whatever it is, the name gets around a little bit the, with sports. I think that's right. kind of what Bonamigo brought up too. Yeah, that $19.4 million looks like a large number we're about middle of the road in overall allocation. So that's direct institutional that support. in the MAC, you mean? In the MAC. Mm-hmm. That's direct institutional support, indirect institutional support, and student fees. Mm-hmm. CMU has, doesn't have any student fees. or in, in the, I'm sorry, they don't have any student fees. Yeah. Um, other, other MAC schools do. Bowling Green has like, tons and tons of student fees. That's how their allocation is made up. But their direct institutional support is nowhere near as large uh, as CMU's. So that number, it's, it's reported differently, and it looks differently on different uh, accounting sheets. But CMU is about middle of the road, and it, it, Dave Hickey called it appropriate that nineteen point mm-hmm. four million, and I, I would agree for a school like this that it, it is an appropriate allocation. And something interesting he brought up when we talked to him a couple weeks ago is that all that money, a lot, a big, large chunk of it goes right back into the school yeah. in scholarships. I think yeah. it was around six or seven million dollars. Was think, it? I think it was six point seven million in uh, last year on uh, student athlete scholarships at the university. So they get that money from. Uh, the, univ- the athletics department the gets that fund. money from the general fund mm-hmm. on, say, let's, for example, July 1st, on July 1st. Think, yeah. And then the next day, on July 2nd, they turn around and put that right back into uh, for st- uh, student-athlete scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, it's like $11 million going back from all the student-athletes who aren't on scholarship as well. Really? You know, you have to uh, add those, there's another $5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, And you also have to look at, we provide departments for people who want to be writers, who people who want to be musicians, but... Do we also need to provide that opportunity for people who want to go into athletics? Yeah. You know, not just the, the sports management side of it, but the actual athletics of it um, into a professional career. Is that something that our university wants to offer? Uh, yeah. And I think about all those, like, exercise science majors, athletic training, right. all those different things. They wouldn't really have this opportunity to for growth and to it's learn without thing. this. Still, that, that $20 million is still pretty daunting. I, I can definitely see where people come from. It's about 6% around, generally around 6% of the entire university budget. So mm-hmm. that's, that's an all right little chunk. Mm-hmm. So I brought this question to Bonamigo to see if he thought that this number, well, these, this high number, what made it worth it to have programs like the football yeah. team? And here's what he had to say. The athletics department budget is fairly large, as it is at most universities, $20 million or so. Um, for students who maybe, um, why is it important for 
for students to kind of pay into that as, as part of their tuition? What does um, that money go toward, and how does it help the program out? I think um, in a, in a, the best way to describe it is I think your athletic department is, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, sort of the marketing, a big marketing tool for your university. So, for example, when we're on television, uh, people see our team and they see Kelly Short Stadium, uh, they see a crowd there, an energetic, passionate crowd. It, it implies excellence and it is, a, it is a physical embodiment of excellence. And now when they look at our university a little bit closer or they take the time to come visit and they get around campus and they get into our business school or our, uh, they learn that we have a medical school, they get into our engineering programs or they look at our school of education and they see excellence across the board. I think it just uh, it confirms what their first impression is. So a lot of times uh, someone's who might not know about your school, their very first impression that they have is seeing one of their athletic teams on television or reading about them um, or seeing something in the print media. So I think that uh, it is a great way for people to learn about the school initially and then once they get here then they see this, you know, they discover that uh, there's excellence all the way around. Okay, Taylor, a different dynamic, different element, if you will, that head coach John Bonamigo brings into uh, the practice, into uh, the IAC, into Kelly Short Stadium, is his NFL career. Yeah. Um, have you noticed, you, you've covered Enos teams, you've covered Bonamigo teams, have you noticed and seen any noticeable differences in the way this practice is ran? Uh, you know, is it more legitimate? Yeah, definitely. So when looking at the fall, the media didn't really get to go watch practices too much. So I, I wasn't able to see a whole lot of um, things, whether there was differences between Enos and Bonamigo or not. Mm -hmm. There might have been, but I just wasn't able to see them from my perspective. Now in the spring, we were able to see a little bit more of the spring practices and things like yeah. that. And while um, I didn't notice anything ex specific that was really different from last year, I did notice a lot of times at the end of practices, there would be sometimes there'd be NFL players that were there that maybe Bonamigo had coached with before. One example was Cullen Jenkins. He's I think on the Giants. Uh, he's a, a lineman, and he came and talked to the football team during spring practice, right. which was really cool. Um, Bonamigo coached him. At, um, I think they were in Green Bay together. They were somewhere together at one point in Bonamigo's career. Um, and Jenkins was actually a, a football player here at CMU, so they had like kind of those double connections. Right. He came back, kind of gave some words of wisdom to the team. And I think that's just got to be huge. When Plus, also, if you're a player right. and your coach is a guy that's coached in the NFL, not like for a year or two, but 16 years, you're right. especially if you're a special teams guy, I would think, yeah. like, all right, this Dave guy on. knows what it takes to get to the next level. I'm going to definitely listen to him. Think about what does that do for recruiting? Yeah, I think it's got to be huge. I mean, as long as he can prove that he can still do it at this level, too. Right, right. To, especially if you're a guy who wants to go to the NFL, which who doesn't, really? Right. If you want a chance to go to the next level and you want to get the ins and outs, he has the connection still in the NFL. Yeah. He's only been gone a year. Oh, he yeah. can hook people up all over the place. He knows what he's doing, and he knows what specific things those coaches are looking for, and he has four years to develop that, maybe five in some players. Hey, if I'm a three-star, two-star no star recruit mm -hmm. that has gotten overlooked by the other in-state schools, by other other out-of-state big schools. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Central Michigan and saying, okay, what's the most realistic opportunity for me to get to the NFL? I know I can do it. I just have, I've gotten overlooked. John Montemagos pretty damn enticing. He's an underdog himself. Yeah, as a walk-on, um, scrappy guy. 
I, I mean, that's got to be something that you, you look to as a recruit and just say, wow, that's something I want to be a part of. It's kind of like if you go into a journalism class and you have a professor who's only been a professor his whole life. It's like, all right, that's yeah. that might be good. Or what if you have a professor that was in the field for years and years and maybe was an editor exactly. or a writer or something? Feel like you might they might not be a better teacher or a worse teacher, but you that respect is instantly there for someone who's done it, done my, what you want to do. My favorite word is the ethos. The ethos. The ethos. <laughs> what does that mean? The authority. The authoritative voice. But okay, we're gonna take it over to the clip and see what uh, Bonamego had to say about it. So you coached in the NFL for 16 years, and you may come back to Mount Pleasant. What's been some of the biggest differences you've seen, maybe even in the fan base, compared comparing the Lions to coming up to here to Mount Pleasant? Well, um, again, a lot of, you know, I knew, I think I had a really good idea of what I was getting in for or, and getting into. You know, I think that Mount Pleasant's a very unique situation. It's a very unique community. Um, in my mind, it's always been or represented the quintessential a college environment, a college town. Uh, and as far as the differences, you know, when it comes to the X's and O's and the football, they're probably not as dramatic as you might think. I think even with the players that you deal with on a daily basis, you know, the majority of players in the NFL, the average career is less than three years. So a lot of them, a lot of the guys that you're working with are first, second, or third year players. And they're not a lot dramatically different in terms of what they want to do and how they spend their time compared to the upperclassmen on your football team. The biggest difference is probably the the cars in the parking lot are a lot nicer on than in the NFL or in the NFL than they are here. Um, you know, obviously uh, the NFL it's a job, and so you have their undivided attention while they're in your building, and there aren't as many time constraints. Whereas we always need to be sensitive with regards to student athletes that they're here to get an education first and foremost. And so, uh, you know, balancing academics and what we ask them to do athletically and the time requirements is something that we always have to be mindful of. So I'd say that, you know, the, the differences are probably there. Um, you know, what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to do, how you communicate with them, uh, the standards that you set, the culture that you build, you know, those are parallel. There's, there is no difference. Um, you know, recruiting and drafting's different. Um, although I believe that when you recruit, you're also recruiting character. And when you draft, that was, uh, you know, the organizations that I've been a part of, the successful ones, always look at that as well. So I think character is something that's that's very important or as important as, as ability. All right, Taylor, the Western Michigan Broncos come into uh, – Who? Ke- Who? The, the Western Michigan football Broncos come into <laughs> Kelly Short Stadium on October the 1st to kick off the MAC Conference here in Mount Pleasant. Um, MAC Conference. The MAC Conference. I'm going to tell you straight up, I think that we're – I'm not going to say this is 10-year war-esque, but I'm going to say that we could be entering a very good rivalry between oh, yeah. not only the two schools, obviously, but two head ball coaches down in P.J. Fleck and up here in Coach John Bonamigo. 
Um, what, what's your thoughts on the on the rivalry? Oh, I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Already the last year or two, it's been really good. If you think even my sophomore year and freshman year, these were like two basement dwellers in the MAC, right? Central <laughs> Michigan and Western Michigan, like they were like fighting. They're like, we love playing each other because we're going to get a win finally. The garbage bowl. And now it's all of a sudden like this could be like the MAC West title game essentially. Yeah. Um, come although it's at the beginning of the year, but still, I think like you said, I think this could be a, a thing of years to come, a rivalry between I these agree. two teams. Fleck keeps saying that. He's going to stick, stick around forever. Yeah, I don't know if I'll I believe him. Same. I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. But he's got a big contract. He's got all the different gimmicks that people love right. with rowing boats. Row and that boat. Not sinking and whatever. And I don't think he's going to sink anytime soon the Bonam- way he's holding this program. Oh, up. yeah. He's, he's doing a good job. Bonamago's going to be here for a while as well, though. That's true. He's He says he's going to be here for a long time I'm to pretty go. confident with and him. And his first year, he went 7-6, and six, went to a bowl game. And he got the Mac West uh, co-champs, which I don't believe Enos ever did when he, he was here. So he really took an extra step up instead yeah. of taking a step down like many thought he would in his first season. Right. Uh, do you have any predictions for the game? Predictions. I think this is going to be the closest Mac game of CMU's season. And maybe wow. the closest any game. Okay. This is the toughest La- to call. Last year was close. It was close. I was there last year, and they ended up was close. Um, Western – Ended up getting a first down in the final minute, right? Um, and that really put the Chippewas away. They right. were only down two points. It seemed like whoever had the ball last was going to win, and that's exactly what happened. It was a forty-one to thirty-nine uh, shootout, and it right. was it was a great game um, down in Kalamazoo. And I think maybe if they're up in Mount Pleasant, they win that game. That's that's, that's how point. close it was. That's that home point. field advantage might have done the difference. There was an ejection early on yep. that uh, had a CMU linebacker was out pretty early. Yeah. Um, Hamilton also got injured in that game, so there was a lot of things going against the Chippewas. Um, and they still almost came back. And if they would have won that game, it would have been spectacular. No doubt. And I think this year, this team, like I talked to Bonamigo after that game, he was really devastated. Yeah. He was quiet. He, he knew that they had a chance to beat Western, and that's really the most important thing you could do all year. Well, he says it up here in, in uh, this clip that we're about to listen to in a second. This is personal for him. Yeah. You know, it's personal for him. This is not just a school I coach at versus a school I'm, my team's playing at. It's personal. This you is know where he's from? It's probably where, where? He's from Pawpaw, which is in that area, right by Kalamazoo. He ended up going to Central Michigan. I wonder if he got overlooked. I'm curious. I wonder if he has something against them. Well, Herb Durami didn't overlook him. That's for damn sure. That's true. And he was he did a solid job here, and he's going to do an even better job as a coach, I believe. Um, yeah. I, I just am really looking forward to this rivalry in years to come. Even when I'm not here at CMU, I'm going to be watching that CMU-Western game because there's going to be some battles. Yeah, well, Bonamego had a, a pretty interesting way of putting – how much Western takes up his uh, his mental capacity, and we're about to listen to and it. And for right the now. record, I don't believe it. <laughs> Here, here's the clip. What do you think about that school over in Kalamazoo? I don't think about them very much. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, obviously the the rivalry has always been very, very strong. It's uh, it's one that has uh, that we're very both sides are very passionate about. I think it's a healthy rivalry. It's uh, it's it's great for both schools. It's great for our conference. It's great for our state. It really is. I think that, you know, the the Central Western uh, rivalry means as much and is as big and is just every bit as intense as, you know, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, and it, and it's just as important as as many people. Taylor, one of the big issues that you brought up to Coach Bonamago about in, during your interview was uh, Title Nine and how that's going to affect. The, the makeup of the CMU athletic department. Mm-hmm. Um, you've done a, a good amount of research. You've done a good amount of reporting on this topic. Uh, what have you come away with so far? What can you tell us? 
Well, um, just for a little bit of background, Title yeah. IX is, is something that applies to all universities and schools and even high schools. Um, and basically the goal of it is to have um, equal opportunities for men and women. Um, so it goes beyond sports, but a lot of the, the, the place where we're looking at it specifically is, is in the athletics department. Right. Um, so there's different ways you can follow Title IX and comply to it. It's actually quite an old um, – it's been around a long time. It's since the 80s, I believe, it, See, or maybe you, even the 70s. You, you wouldn't think that. You, you, I thought it was a much uh, more current – yeah, it's, it's been around a while, so um, there's different ways you can follow it. And CMU recently switched to prong one, and prong one, in essence, is um, whatever your uh, male-to-female ratio is for okay. undergraduate population okay. at CMU, that ratio has to match um, fairly closely to what the male-to-female ratio is in terms of roster spots on athletic teams. So what did you find about those numbers? So it was actually um, kind of a, a big gap. So at CMU, it's, it's approximately 55-45 in terms of females to males, um, yeah. men, women to men. And then it's, it's kind of reversed in terms of athletics. It's about 52-53% men in terms of roster spots and then about 47% women. Um, so it, it looks on the onset like, oh, man, there's this problem. There's this gap. It's like flipped. When you look a few years ago, though, before they added the women's lacrosse and women's golf teams back in 2012, it was approximately 61% men's spots and 39 women. So they've actually made some good progress in the couple, past couple of years. Right, and that short amount of time, they, they've – and this, I feel like, has really come to the forefront in the past couple of months almost that we've been hearing. Maybe it's just because it's been on talk of the newsroom, but something that we've really been focusing on in our reporting has been – Title IX in the athletics department. Well, to be on to stay in this prong, they have to keep getting closer and closer to that ratio. Okay. So they can't really stand pat. Right now, they are compliant. They're not in trouble in any way right now. But they have to keep moving, especially too. If you look at the female enrollment, undergraduate enrollment at CMU, right. it's actually growing compared to the male. The ratio is actually getting more and more unequal. It's interesting. Which is quite interesting, actually. It's a different topic for a different day. Right. Um, but basically, they have two options, three options really. Yeah. You can either add women's sports like they have before or you can cut a whole men's sport or something like that there's really okay. only i think there are about six men's sports compared to 12 women's or so and the, or yeah. you could also cut men's roster spots maybe trim the football team down a few spots or the track and field team um, and that could also help get that ratio more where it needs to be um so it's interesting to talk to bonamigo about all right um, what happens if we cut some roster si- um, spots from your team? How does that really affect you guys? What do you think? Is this like really a hassle? Has anyone really even talked about it with you? And we even talked to the track coach, and um, they hadn't had any discussions about cutting any roster spots yet, but you never know. It, right. it's, it's pretty expensive to add a whole other women's team oh, yeah. on. That's, that's a, lot, a couple million dollars, and that's oh, something yeah. that's going to come directly out of the general fund, um, which Hiki said. So if they aren't able to afford paying more um, for these more sports then they're going to have to cut some men's opportunities even though that's highly discouraged by pretty much everybody even the, the title nine right. supporters yeah i mean it's, it's a really interesting debate and i i think uh you could look at it from a lot of different angles but to i think what's encouraging to see you know i don't want to i'm going to take this a different way is i sit and ask myself why don't we have a men's soccer team why don't mm-hmm. we have a men's uh, uh hockey team things like that yeah we don't need them here and if anything, we, we would need women's sports. Yeah, and even there's been some people in the academic senate that have proposed, all right, let's cut the football team and keep the soccer team. That's right. not realistic. There's certain sports you have to have to stay in the Mid-American Conference, right. and football is one of them. So um, it would there's a lot of different things that 
rules people they have to comply to, and it's right. kind of they can't just kind of do whatever they want. They have to follow a lot of rules. And cutting football, there's so many reasons why that would really be uh, atrocious. Honestly, yeah, it's not a good idea, and it's it's not going to happen. They're not going to cut the entire football team. No. Could they cut maybe the men's track or cross country teams? That's or maybe wrestling. Good size roster. I'm not sure. I not I don't think they deserve to be cut. Nope, they didn't do nope, anything wrong. Nope. They're they're solid programs, but right. um those are teams that maybe should be watching themselves. Yeah. Well, let's go to the clip and see what Bonamego had to say about it. There's been some talk around the university about still remaining compliant with Title IX and whatnot and some of the different proposed solutions were maybe adding a few more women's sports, maybe cutting some men's sports or maybe cutting roster sizes from men's sports. What do you think the likelihood that maybe some roster spots will be cut from football, and how would that affect this program? Well, I think that uh, we need to do everything that we can as an institution to make sure that we are compliant and also leaders with regards to Title IX. Not only is it the law, but it's it's the right thing to do. Um, I personally think that uh, you know, anytime you uh, you know, I, I don't like to see opportunities taken away from 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 anybody so my I guess personal preference would be to increase opportunities so that we don't have to you know reduce roster sizes but again it's a it's an important issue um, and you know we'll do everything we have to do and anything that we need to do in order to be compliant So talking about John Bonamigo, I think he might actually be one of the most recognizable faces here in Mount Pleasant. We were talking earlier, maybe Dan Lefevre. Yeah, it's a toss-up between him and Dan, I he, think. He might be another one. but um, Antonio Brown? It, he doesn't come back that much. So. If he's back, he would be one of them, too. Yeah. I think Bonamigo, he's kind of the face of CMU almost. Even well, I mean, literally, he's not the president. Last week, his face was literally all over CMU. It was. Where's Bono? Where's Bono? Um, which I didn't get picked for, which was upsetting. Um, <laughs> recount the votes. Yeah, recount the votes. But uh, yeah, no, I, I him and Paulette walking around, it's like uh, the, the, you know, the, the first couple, you know, the, the the first family or something like that. It's got to be very different for them too. Obviously, being in Detroit, being the special teams coordinator, I, I'm a Lions fan. I didn't even know who he was. Same, to be honest. Same. And being in the in Detroit's a different atmosphere, different community than Mount Pleasant, where it's not quite the, at the level where everybody knows each other. Right. Maybe in the summer. But um, it, it's it's a lot different, I think, than that Metro Detroit area. You, you do notice people at Meyer and Target and whatnot. And yeah, I think he's he, he's soaked it up though so far. Yeah, no, this is the type of community definitely where it's it's big to the point where you you can be you know that that personality, that face of, of you know this whole entire thing. But it's small enough to where you're still accessible. And you're mm-hmm. not you know you you see him walking around. You see him you know the normal people. Um, have yeah. I seen him be? be Bono out, out in the street other than when he's been out like campaigning or you know you know mm-hmm. really going to see the students mm-hmm. I haven't personally but uh, like I said I would recognize Bono's bald head and Paulette's blonde <laughs> hair anywhere exactly and I would say hi too yeah I would, like, how's it going, I would coach? Say, because he is so inviting he, you know like I said that cool calm personality that he has it's just, you know you, you're not nervous to say hi to him you yeah know, it's just like what's up what's up coach what are you doing man I remember one time I saw Dan Enos at Target it was before I covered the team Poop so he, my pants he didn't know who, who I was but I was just kind of like oh that's Dan Enos like oh my gosh but I didn't like say anything it was kind of intimidating um, I think Bono, he said, so far he soaked it up. I was curious if he's had any crazy moments with fans. I, I asked him if, if there's any uh, babies he's had to sign on their forehead or something. But um, No dice on that one, but he said he's had a few interesting experiences. So um, let's listen to the audio and see how he's reacted to being in this fishbowl. When talk, you talked about being in a fishbowl. 
can you go anywhere around Mount Pleasant without being recognized as, hey, there's Bono? Um, I, I still think there's a lot of people who don't know me, but uh, not not very, you know, we, we Paulette and I pretty much get noticed pretty much everywhere we go. Does we, that get old? No, it, it's, it's uh, it comes with the territory. Again, you know, I encourage people to come say hello. I always, I always like to, one of the questions I always ask, especially the students, I always want to know where everybody's from. You know, whether they're from st in state or out of state. <clears throat> if they're in state, where from, and if they're up, um, out of state, I always want to know why, what, brought, what, what brought them to CMU, mm. how'd they end up here. What's the craziest fan interaction you've had with anybody in public <laughs> so far at, at CMU? Oh, shoot. Um, you know what? I think people are pretty good. I, I haven't had anything that I would really term crazy. I think uh, for the most part, people are very respectful and, and you know, a lot of selfies, which is which is always cool, you know. Um, uh, that's been pretty much. That's been pretty much it. You know, I've had, uh, you know, I've had people yell out their, you know, honk horns or yell out their car windows, and you know, so far it's all been good stuff. So that's that's a good thing. No signing anybody's babies or anything. Like no, that. none of that. No, no. <laughs> that's funny. All right, Sarma. So I'm gonna throw a curveball at you here. Let's hear it. Um, so I'm gonna let's say that you are a sports editor um, someday in the future um, here at CM Life. And some random Central Michigan fan comes up to you and says, Andrew Serma, I'm curious, um, I'm a big CMU fan, but how excited should I be for this, this football season coming up in 2016? On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited should I be? What would you tell them? I'd say a 7. A 7. Why? I'd say you're, you're above midway, but due to the, the recent results, you need to reserve some sort of skepticism. So I'm not going to give you that 8 or that 9 or that 10, but I think that they're – this team does warrant some excitement. Okay. I think kind of Coach Bonamega warrants the excitement. I think that the work that I'm assuming, and I'm, I, but I think that I've been seeing from whatever ways I have been seeing, either on Twitter or just in person, uh, the type of work ethic, the type of coaching, the type of program that's in place, I think there's going to be a damn good team come fall. All um, right. Well, I think Coach Bonamigo is even more excited. So I asked him the same question. Let's see uh, what he's going to say. So... Entering the 2016 season, if you had to rate your excitement level from 1 to 10, where would you put it? My excitement level is always at a 10. I think, uh, you know, whatever you do, whatever you choose to do in life, if you're not really excited or enthusiastic about it, then you need to try to find something else. You know, being here, being on campus, uh, leading this football team is something that I've dreamed about a long time. You know, you saw that wall. When I left here in 1986, you know, I had no idea. I knew I was going into coaching. I had no idea where my career was going to lead me, but my goal was to come back here. And so to be back here in this setting, uh, leading this program is, uh, I'm literally, you know, living a dream. And so every day for me is a 10. You know, uh, my best days are, are awesome. But even even the days that aren't so good are, are still I'd still rather be here doing this than than anywhere else. All right, Taylor. We so we just saw the NFL draft and the quarterbacks that were taken out of it from this year. Um, Cooper Rush is he going to be a guy like a Fowler, like Simons? A lot of hype in the preseason, no hardware at the end, and going into his senior season. Or do you think that he's going to this season might result in a, a MAC championship, maybe even something more? 
it's really interesting, especially when we talk about the the NFL draft. That there's two quarterbacks taken one and two overall, mm-hmm. and then Bowling Green's quarterback Matt Johnson, who set records and I think might have even led college football in a lot of the categories. He didn't end up even getting drafted. That's what concerns me. Is there's no love for the Mac right now? It, it's weird. I, I, there's other things that they were looking at, obviously besides the numbers, um, whether it's the arm strength, the accuracy, or the character, all these different things. But even like looking at Johnson, like he had. All those numbers. And then there's other times when there's people like Ben Roethlisberger and quarterbacks from the right. Mac that do make it out. So um, I guess I just kind of need to get in the head of these NFL scouts a little more. In terms of what he'll do next year, um, I think obviously next year is going to be his best year of all. He's got finally some a good running game uh, paired with um, his maturity. Um, he's, he's quarterbacked this team really essentially for four years. A lot of experience. Yeah. He's getting better and better. Um, I expect great things from Cooper Rush this coming year. I like to think that he's losing Ben McCord, um, so you know he he doesn't have he's had Jesse Kroll back, but who else is going to he have as, as a target? Um, is the freshman going to step up? Uh, is uh, Austin Stewart going to step up? Who else is he going to be able to throw to catch the long balls, but also catch you know the mm-hmm. short uh, third down passes, things along those lines? I think one of the guys that had some spurts of potential last year was Mark Chapman. Uh, number mm-hmm. three, he can also run the ball, too, on some of those wide receiver sweeps. Um, but he's got some good potential. He's really speedy as well. Anthony Rice is another one. Um, Jesse Kroll is going to catch some passes. I think Zach Crouch is going to be the guy at tight end. Um, and then even out of the backfield, I, I'd like to see some more passes to some running backs. Um, they, they can really move and find some room and space like Devon Spaulding mm-hmm. and people like that. I remember De- Devon Spaulding, I think he had 10 receptions in one game. It was something ridiculous. Um, he, he had a lot of yards in the Syracuse game early last year. Um, I think he really didn't lose a whole lot in the wide receiver core. He actually got better at, even after losing Titus Davis, who was mm-hmm. um, around NFL dri- um, potential. So I, th- I don't think he's going to um, digress in that area as long as he keeps diversifying and teams can't figure out if, if he's keying in on one certain thing, which it doesn't seem like he is. Right. So hardware? Hardware, what do you mean? Hardware at the end of the season? Well, in terms of like Mac, Mac championship? Board? Yeah. What, 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 Mac Individual championship? or team? Team. Team. Well, I think if anyone's going to be leading this team, it's going to be Cooper Rush. It's really interesting we actually talked to Bonamigo about kind of the character. He doesn't seem like a really outspoken guy. You know, he's, no, he he's pretty quiet. Yeah. He'll go in the film room and do his thing and whatnot. But when you talk to all the other players, they really respect him. When you say, when you ask him a question about Cooper Rush, they'll be like, ah, oh, Coop, yeah, we love we love Coop. Like, he's great. And it, he definitely has that respect level for his teammates. Um, he, I'm not sure what it's like in the locker room, how much he's talking, or if he's just more leading by example. Right. Um, in terms of the hardware, though, I, I think – um, yeah, I think he's going to be the guy that leads them. I don't know. Western Michigan's pretty good, so I'm yeah. not sure if they're going to win the MAC West, but I think they're going to take that next step further. They were MAC co-West champions or whatever this year. Right. I think they right. they uh, are going to take another step ahead, and I think, what are they, 5-3 and three this year? Mm. I think 6-2 and two is pretty reasonable okay. um, in the MAC. And then in terms of individual awards, I think he's going to be the player of the year, at least for CMU on offense. Okay. Um, and then in terms of the whole Mac, I'm not really sure. I have to do a little more research on the rest of the Mac, yeah. but I think he's definitely got to be in the conversation um, for one of the best players in the in the conference. Okay, well, let's take it over to uh, the clip from Coach Bono and see what he has to say about him. You've seen lots of NFL quarterbacks over your 16 years in the NFL. What do you think Cooper Rush's expectations are for his senior year, and what is the likelihood that he goes on past uh, college football? I think that uh, that will all play out the way it's supposed to. I think Cooper's an excellent college football player. He's played a lot of football here. Uh, He's won a lot of games. Um, 
but we haven't won a championship together yet. You know, we were co-champions of the West last week or last year, and that's you know that's a significant accomplishment. But our goal, and I know Cooper's goal, is to lead his team in that offense to even greater heights in production and and do his part to help us get to Ford Field and win the MAC championship. Uh, beyond that, you know, I, I think he's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of upside. I think he's a great leader. Um, I think he fits the physical characteristics and plays in the style of offense that translates very, very well to, you know, playing on Sundays. I think that, uh, you know, so it, it won't be difficult for for people when they evaluate him to to see him in that role. Um, he's got tremendous command of our offense. Uh, he is he is like having another coach on the field, and I think that that bodes well for. For him as well, we ask him to do a lot. You know, we ask our quarterbacks. We put a lot on them as far as, you know, pre-snap reads and you know, uh, you know, audibles. Whether it's run to run, pass to run, run to pass, you know, right to left, uh, checks at the line of scrimmage, and uh, or even just outright kills and getting into, you know, the the right play for for the right situation. So. You know, from that standpoint, I think he's really, really ahead of the curve. I think the, the intangible things that he will bring will really bode well for him. And we'll, you know, for any player, they're just trying to get an opportunity. You know, there's nothing guaranteed in our game. There's certainly nothing guaranteed in the NFL. You just want to try to get an opportunity and then make the very best of, you know, the opportunity that you get. What's the one thing he needs to do this fall to really become an elite passer in the NCAA? I think, uh, you know, coming out of last year, the only question mark I had was maybe, you know, uh, you know, I think he's got a very good arm. I want, you know, would have, you know, I thought, uh, you know, maybe uh, see more arm strength, and I definitely saw that this winter and this spring. Um, he is, you know, it's it's noticeable how much more velocity he's getting on a lot of his throws. Um, yeah, I think he just needs to continually improve, and and he's done a, you know, he's done a sensational job. He's not a guy that's real prone to throwing and making a lot of bad throws. He doesn't miss many open you know, open receivers. He's done a really good job this year of of. Uh, of spreading the ball around and really taking what the defense gives them, and that's a sign of quarterback maturing right there. You know, it's easy when you have a easier when you have a dominant player like a Titus, where you can all right lock in and you know, you know, 75% of the time Titus is going to be open or he's going to be able to work himself open, versus you know really spreading the ball. We had what five players I think uh, have over 500 yards in receptions, and, and again. That, uh, you know, that speaks directly to, you know, this, the design of the offense, but also the quarterback being able to go out and execute and, and really get to the ball, you know, get the ball to where, or put the ball where the defense, uh, you know, lets it go. You've had more than a year to kind of get to know him a little bit. What is Cooper Rush like off the field, and what defines him personally? <laughs> he's um, he's a little bit quiet. Um, but he's got a uh, a very good, although be it dry sense of humor, 
Uh, he's very serious about everything he does. He's highly competitive. Um, he's, um, you know, he's what I like to call a football junkie or a gym rat. I mean, he can't come into this building without sitting down and, and watching some film. And, and I think he's got a, but at the same time, I think he's got a, a really good balance in his life. He does a great job off the field. Uh, academically and then with a lot of his uh, you know community involvement very very approachable um, and just a, just a great young man all right Serma so there's a lot of questions up in the air before this season um, a lot of expectations we didn't really know how they were gonna pan out um, still went seven and six just like in years previous uh, where do you, do you where did that rank in terms of your expectations oh I don't know I can't really – I feel like they exceeded it in the fact that I thought that they were, were going to crash and burn. I just thought that, they, you know, with Enos leaving the way he did, Bono kick coming in, um, kind of having to to fight the cancer situation coming into the season. Um, there's a lot of adversity in general coming into this first season. Mm-hmm. I expected them to not have a winning record in all honesty, but they did, which uh, – in the way that they won, they, it was coaching a lot of times. It, you know, they didn't have the best talent throughout the season. They were at times outmatched. A lot of injuries too, yeah. A lot of injuries, but I thought that the coaching factor was one of the biggest things that kept them into a 7-5 a and five regular season, 7-6 and six, uh, se- season. They should have won that bowl game as well. You mm-hmm. know, they should have won that bowl Minnesota. game. Should have beat Minnesota. Um, that one got away from them. But I was, I was impressed. What about yourself? Well, I, I was about the same boat as you. It was interesting talking to Bono, though. His, his, uh, we were talking about some different things that um, didn't go completely to plan. There were there was a few things for him, obviously. Um, but he said that he expected, fully expected, to be undefeated and holding up a, a championship trophy at the end of the year. That's so. the kind of attitude I want to hear from a head ball coach. Exactly. It's it's a little <laughs> far fetched, but if you, anything less, yeah. you can't really go into anything expecting less than that. So here's about what Bono had to say regarding how. The season lived up to his expectations. What are some of those things that you maybe expected to happen one way and just really went the other way in your past year of coaching well, I here? I thought we'd be undefeated my first year. <laughs> you know, I thought we'd already have a championship trophy up there. And, um, you know, uh, again, you know, I've been fortunate enough that, look, I've really surrounded myself with great people. We've got great staff, you know, first and foremost. Uh, you know, I get a lot of, uh, I get an opportunity to answer a lot of questions, do a lot of interviews, but I probably don't talk about my staff near enough. I mean, you know, starting with our coordinators, with uh, Coach Watts and Coach Colby, and then right down, you know, through the assistants, and even our graduate assistants and our quality control people. I mean, we've got number one, very good people. Um, you know, we share, uh, we share common vision in terms of how we want to treat our student athletes and what we expect from them, um, and they're they're very motivated and driven and attention to detail oriented coaches who are, you know, they're they're technically sound, fundamentally sound, and and they do a good job of teaching and they do a great job of of uh, of just staying on top of and, and mentoring the kids in our program. All right, Taylor, so you, I'm assuming, have been sick at times, and there's been times where when you are sick, you just kind of let the little things slide. Um, you, don't, you can't really pay attention to detail like you want to, yeah. right? Can you imagine having cancer after being named 
head football coach of a Division One football program. Um, your thoughts, just hearing that, your take, what would you do? I mean, that's a whole emotional toll in addition to the physical toll that, that cancer puts on you. Obviously, oh, yeah. talking about Bonamigo last summer and what he really had to deal with physically and emotionally with, with tonsil cancer. I just can't imagine what that would be like. you finally reaching this goal that you've had for, for years and years and then having this physical barrier that, that takes all your energy away, that makes you not be able to taste food. You're uh-huh. trying to be this leader, and you've prepared all your life for it, and then all of a sudden this new challenge comes in. I mean, wouldn't you get the feeling that, damn, I just got my, my what I wanted, and it's going to get off to a, a lousy start. Bonamigo didn't really let that happen, did he? No, he didn't. He kept fighting through. He would yeah, get he up at 5 or 6 in the morning. Or go down to Ann Arbor. Go to Ann Arbor, um, get treatment, and come back, and then do some coaching. Now, luckily, it was in the summer when things are a little bit lighter. Um, players weren't all in yet. Still, um, though, that, 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 that's your prep time. Yeah. You know. I mean, this is, this is your first month. He's already behind because he was hired late in the process. <laughs> right. So it definitely didn't make it easy on him by any means. But the... It, that he was able to fight it and beat it by the beginning of the year um, was was pretty crazy, and mm-hmm. it's, I just can't imagine an extra year alone is going to give him so much more experience and knowledge and stuff. And now going into it also without having that physical barrier in front of him is just going to help him that much more. Right, I can't imagine what it's like to I mean to have that. You're trying to focus on what, what you the task at hand, but have that always hanging over your head for that first summer. That must have been uh, just you must really have to really put your mind to that uh, yeah. to be able to, to stay organized and stay on, on top of the tasks that you need to get done. But we have. Yeah, coach- I mean, I, even at like 2 a.m. when I'm trying to do a homework assignment, I'm ex- exhausted. I can't even do that. Uh, right. Much less like fight through cancer and still like not just like half do it, but like go 100%. Absolutely. We let so many things just go and say ah okay you know we'll, we'll let it go and it'll it'll slide so me- mediocrity you know mm-hmm. but he's about, not about that he's not about that which is really impressive so we have a clip from him talking about his struggle in the summer and uh how he kind of came out on top if you will of his battle for you being physically healthy going into this fall how much is that going to really help your your focus and just make it easier on you um it's gonna be a lot easier you know i don't think anything could be much more difficult than what i went through physically last year um, I have got a lot more energy to, you know, I'm much more attentive and, and mindful of a lot of little things that that maybe uh, might have, you know, slid past me last fall because I just, you know, felt pretty rotten. So it's, it's good to feel, it's nice to be, you know, you, you never appreciate your health, let me put it this way. You never appreciate, fully appreciate your health until you have some type of challenge that you got to go through. Awesome. Any closing remarks you have, Coach? Uh, thanks for the time. It's always great to have CM Life in and fire up chips. That's about all the time we have today. We have to thank Coach Bonamigo for sitting down with us, um, talking about everything and anything. Uh, Surma, appreciate sitting down, uh, giving your input. I appreciate it as always. Pre- Coach Bonamigo, we appreciate what you do and uh, your support for Central Michigan life and the sports desk that we have here. So it's kind of a dead period right now for football. Yeah. Not a whole lot going on, but Sermer, I believe you're going to be leading the charge come July and August when this team's getting ready for the fall season, correct? Yeah, by all means, everybody, stay tuned to centralmichiganlife.com and to CM Life Sports Twitter page. We'll be giving you guys updates and giving you guys back into the fall swing of things uh, in early August. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing what you guys have. Just like you said, cm-life.com for uh, anything and everything. Uh, 
football related and elsewise too. So it's going to be a really good fall. And that's about it here for Headline Central. My name is Taylor DeSormo. I'm Andrew Sarmo. Have a nice rest of your day.